Well, our moms think we're funny. Hey everyone, I'm a Comey. Hey everybody, this is Turk182. We weren't talking about shady shit. Nope, not night. at all. What? No. <laughs> Where's the thought? <laughs> Us? <laughs> Us? No. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, getting back into our, our discussion of, uh, you know, of, uh, I don't know. I don't even really know what to call this. In in defense of comic book movies or um, yeah, I, I call Mark Scorsese. Watch his fucking mouth. No, it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna send this deleted clip to you, Martin Scorsese. Then you'll be sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, there's, I, there's a reason why Martin Scorsese makes really good gangster movies. You know, and it's just, he's not somebody who's who's bats I don't want to be on. <laughs> no, I entitled the first part in defense of superhero films. So, um, oh okay. I mean, I, I think that's basically what we're doing here. We've had. Uh, a lot of people, oh, I wouldn't say a lot, but we've, we've had several people, many of whom are prominent, uh, saying that like they don't consider superhero films to be cinema. Um, we did a lot by way of introduction last episode. Um, yeah. And so uh, we, we talked, by and large, about Martin Scorsese's uh, statements on it. So today we want to talk about Jodie Foster's statements on it. And they are by no means, you know, the the only people that have said anything. But the reason that those two of them stood out to me is because I do like and respect the work. I don't respect them because I don't know them. Right. I only know of them what, you know, what they found, you know, deemable to share with me as a public. And I guess what other people have said about them and, you know, some form of media or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really know them. So I don't respect them. Um, but I respect the work that they do. And if I ever got a chance to meet them and get to know them, then yeah, maybe we could respect one another because it's, you know, that respect is a personal thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I do respect the work they do. And for someone like Jodie Foster and, you know, I, I can, I can forgive Jodie Foster for, um, Bugsy Malone. Right. Uh, which is, I, I, I still don't understand that movie. And I just got to take, I just got to take a side here and be like, I don't understand Bugs me alone. What the fuck was that movie about? Why did it? Why was it made? Who thought it needed to be made? How was that nominated for awards? I'm glad that Jodie Foster won an award because she's always been an incredible actress. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to like Taxi Driver and this kind of thing, right? I think Bugs me alone came before Taxi Driver, um, and so she she's always just been like ahead of her craft, um, uh, or maybe just like right right on par with her craft from a young age, and then growing up, that just then kind of elevates you to being ahead of the craft. Right. Um, but she's always been fantastic. But still, Bugs Malone. I don't understand who the fuck thought that you needed to do a 1920s gangster movie using you know kids from the age of like 13 to, to 16. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, nobody that. nobody needed to see it. And then 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 the full like young like teen the preteen like chorus show that they do in there like five minutes of them doing a put on a chorus act like what yeah that that trailer was the most uncomfortable i've ever felt over any movie ever i just like oh i I don't i don't understand it anyway but um but i like her um you know in the the directing that she's done i like her as a director i like little man tate that's um that's uh, it's not gonna be like on my favorite movies but you asked me about a movie that i like i like little man tate Mm -hmm. you and i have talked a lot even when we did our our recordings uh you know for this um for this weekend we talked about movies like hotel artemis which i think she technically was retired and kind of came out of retirement of sorts to do that movie Mm -hmm. which is also something that made me like be like what because Hotel Artemis is not a good movie. It's got an interesting premise. I'm not going to say it's a good premise. It's got an interesting premise, and it's um, and it's cool to watch. I like it a lot. 
and I like her character in it. I like the way she carries herself. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, I don't want to say, I don't say this in a bad way. It was, it was kind of hard for me to see her like shuffling around as an old woman. Right. Um, and even though she's playing a character, I don't know, you know, it, how much of, of that is like, oh, you know, I, I really kind of am an old woman now because I me, mean, she is an older woman. Uh, and how much of that was character? I'm thinking that was more character, but I like her character. I like the way she she carries herself. I like the way she she portrays that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I love Batista and and all that stuff. And then uh, Sterling K. Brown, who really, even though he's a prominent figure in the movie, his character is really just more of this guy that just kind of walks around and just is like, you know, I'm the I'm the the soft tough guy. You know, yeah. I, 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 I'm only doing this because of you know one reason. I was kind of out of it. I'm back in it because of because of my brother. If anybody was at uh, 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 Brian Tyree, I think is his name, the guy who was in Atlanta and stuff, was a, a really good actor. Um, but but certainly came Brown, he doesn't really get a chance to I guess show a lot of like he doesn't really get a chance to bring a lot of that character to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was able to bring his character in Black Panther to life more before he got killed in the beginning yeah. um, than he does with this one. Be- but then the character's not really written that way. Right. But he, he does a great job with that. I, I like looking at him and I loved his interactions, even with, with his whole thing with Charlie Day when Charlie's just trying to be a big tough guy and he's like, yeah, I see just how spongy you are. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how soft you are. You are soft until you get wet and then you're just a complete sponge. Yeah. You know, I mean, so sorry, you're hard until you get wet and then you're just a complete sponge. Um, but then he, he doesn't call him. He's just like, he just, yeah, man, sure, whatever. Um, I'm going to walk away. You know, you take care of yourself. He, he does a really good job that. Lo- I really like Hotel Armas a lot as far as a movie, but it's really just a fun watch. It's right. a fun watch. It's nothing yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah. And to be in a movie like that and then to say like, you know, yeah, Marvel movies are not real movies and I'm like, yeah, but they're no more or no less of a real movie than this movie right here. Right. And uh, which is a far-fetched action story with fantasy elements. So how is it really different than Right. Uh and <laughs> and, and and Jodie Foster again, I I can't say enough about, you know, like her acting skills. Oh, she's she's incredible. Anybody that's ever seen Sansa Lambs, yeah, you've seen Sansa Lambs, you've seen Jodie Foster act and you know, it's great. But people who if you don't know this already, that final scene in Silence of the Lambs where she is there with uh with you know Buffalo Bill, James Gunn or Jamie Gunn, um, the gum. I don't think they ever really said what what his real name was. Um, yeah, it's been she, too long since I've seen it. I don't remember. Well, they they say she's she's uh, when she's talking to a woman, she's like, yeah, um, she ever mentioned like a guy like James Gum or Jamie Gum? Which I'm like, how's how James? It's either James uh, with an S. No one just calls themselves James. James, <laughs> you know, it's. It's like, well, we only had one son, so he's going to be James and not James. You know? <laughs> anyway. Um, but in that scene where she's in the dark mm-hmm. and he's got the night vision goggles on and, you know, she's come and she's just wandering around in the dark and you can see the look on her face where she is like lost. I mean, oh, she yeah. can't see shit. And you can tell she is just scared out of her mind. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know that, sh- that scene is not shot in the dark. They could not shoot that scene in the dark with night vision goggles. Mm-hmm. There is complete light in that scene and you can tell that and there's two scenes in there one where he goes to reach for her and you can see the shadow of his hand on her back mm-hmm. if it's in darkness there's no shadow and there's another one where there also shows a shadow too which there wouldn't be a shadow in complete darkness so if you look at that and you can see that level of terror on her face mm-hmm. and she's pretending to be in dark when the room is fully lit oh yeah 
She's a phenomenal actress. Very, very good. Um, so I'm not going to downplay that at all. She is incredible. I've always liked her. Even Elysium. I love her in Elysium. I like Elysium. A lot of people don't. Um, but I like Elysium a lot. Matt Damon does a really good job in that. And Elysium is, is, is a nice, it's a nice, like, fun movie. And I think it raises a good point. A little heavy handed. Um, but not to the point where it's like beating you over the head with a message. And she's really good now. I think she looks really smart in that too. Mm-hmm. Not like smart, like intellectual, but she looks really like her, her dress and everything. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm a big, yeah. big when it comes to like, you know, women dressing, especially like power suits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you would like Karen on The Office. Mm, I don't know. It's, yeah, you didn't see past season one, so you haven't seen Karen. But okay. Yeah, she's she's cute. So, um, so even in, like I said, Elysium, I, I love Jodie Foster. I mentioned Maverick and everything, how much I love her in that. She's mm-hmm. great. And, you know, she's been in, you know, Jodie Foster and all kinds of stuff. I've, <laughs> Crow fan, I used to make fun of Nell all the time. And he would, like, we would talk and he, I'll just out of nowhere, he'd be like, right, right, check a bay. You remember that. And I'm like, <laughs> but that doesn't stop that. I mean, just because we make fun of that movie doesn't stop her from being a good actress and, you know, yeah, doing no. a good job in that movie and all that stuff. We so, make fun of shit that we love all the time. Yeah, we do. So for, for her to, to kind of say that, okay, being a, being a, you know, a, a uh, actress, um, you know, Academy Award winning actress and director. So what exactly does she say? Is it just the same thing as like Scorsese just saying they're not cinema or how, right. how does she phrase it? Right. Um, I'd have to look it up again because it was something she recently said where she was like, she didn't, she kind of didn't respect them and she didn't, um, she didn't like them and like they were, you know, they, they were, they were taking, they were taking bureaucrats. I have no respect for them. There was, if I remember correctly, it was basically the effect of, um, that, these movies were taking away, um, I guess, uh, from real movies that could be made more like dramatic um, and like movies that with a point, but they weren't being made because these movies are being made hmm. and they're kind of taking the taking the place of them. But that goes back to a Hollywood thing. Hollywood can make these movies if they wanted to. Right. You know, and there's people out there that want to see these movies, but you have to commit yourself to it and you have to follow it through. Um, you know, just like we were saying about, you know, about Justice League and Batman vs Superman, all those things like that, where it's like, if you're going to make a movie and you're going to do it, you're going to have to make it through. You're going to have to devote yourself to it and be like, okay, this is what we're making and let go and, you know, and let it be and stop trying to stop trying to control everything and stop trying to make everything fit into what it is. Sometimes you're going to make a movie. It's going to be a great movie and it's not going to, it's going to fall flat because it comes out at the wrong time. That doesn't mean you need to take it and reshape it to what you think people want because mm-hmm. that's, that's just tearing up everything. Cause if it still fails, what have you done? You've right, compromised right. everything. You've destroyed something that could be really good. This could be the next Mr. Lovejoy, but instead, you know, you don't have anything. Right, yeah. And so the original premise is dead. What you turned it into is dead. And you're going to say, well, I'm not going to take the blame for it. So I'm going to blame everybody else that was involved with it. The director fucked it up. No, <laughs> you fucked it up. Right, yeah. You know, if it was going to fail, let it fail on its own merit. Or if it failed and, you know, because the audience wasn't right for it, then, you know, then recoup that later. There's so many movies that have done that have found their their proper audience later on. Now you say, well, that you know that doesn't account to the box office at the time, but isn't isn't money money? Whether I'm making my money through like 
uh, off the, the first ticket sales, which is something else I just can't stand. A movie is only successful if it makes a shit ton of money the first week. We right. can't let a movie grow and find an audience. You know, especially when it's like you always want. Who's ever heard of a movie with a cult following? Right. You Hollywood always wants to put a movie up against another movie and have a and then have like this this like this cage match. Mm-hmm. And then when your movie fails, you say, "Well, it sucked." But no, you know, they, you you do you. Purposely put it up against another movie, you yep. know, that probably was outweighed by a good, you know, 100 pounds. <laughs> and then when it didn't, when it didn't win, you're like, oh, well, it sucked. Well, you did that shit. Right. You know, and. Well, that's exactly what we were talking about in part one is that they don't look at what elements of this makes this work. They look at it and go, the, the found footage, let's do that. Right. <laughs> hey. And it, it's just, they're the ones fucking it up. And so maybe he didn't win win this first match, right? But that movie is eventually going to it's going to tire itself out. Mm-hmm. And your movie, if you still promote it and take care of it and treat it properly, can still make its money back, and then can still overcome. There's a lot of movies that that don't come in number one at the box office this week, but then dominate the following weeks. Yeah, yeah. You know, so why are you pinning everything on that first week? And then let's say that it doesn't do that, but then picks itself up later. You know, in like rental sales or you know, like online mm-hmm. buys, that's still your money. Now maybe maybe a little. You may be not getting as much as you did before, but let's let's look at it like this. If I go and watch a movie in a theater, even if I love it. Uh, I'm probably only going to see that movie once. You know, right, there's some right. there's sometimes where you make you know like some of the bigger franchise movies like Harry Potter and shit like that. People will go and I got to go see you know I got to go see this movie again or I'm now yeah. going to see it with this group of friends or whatever. I, Maybe I watched the first Avengers in theater twice. That was the only movie that like I watched it. I walked out of the theater and in the parking lot, me and the group I was with, we were like, I kind of want to see that again. Yeah, yeah. And so we went back in and watched the first Avengers again. Well, I told you that when I went to go see Watchmen the first time, I went to that midnight show. Mm-hmm. And when I bought my ticket for the midnight show, like the day or two before, and then that night when I went to go see it, I bought my ticket to see it again the next day. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, so I, I've done that before. But in the theater, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are only going to see that movie once. They're only going right, to pay their right. you know, like 10 to $15 or whatever to see it that one time. But when I buy it, on Blu-ray, DVD, or whatever, I'm paying anywhere from twenty to thirty-five dollars for that movie. Mm-hmm. That's two to three times what I paid to see it that one time in the theater. So you're still making more money off of, it, even though you've got to pay distribution. Which you're still doing that with the other thing. So yeah. to just, just write it off as if well, it didn't do well in the theater, and so now it's a it's a failure. Right. You can right. still make a shit ton of money off that movie if you continue to take care of it. That's like saying my child, you know, I, you know, I try put him on the on the I put my baby like, you know, on the toilet and they didn't go pee that first time. So now I'm kicking them out the house because you're no good to me. Well, no, you're not going to continue to nurture them and try to get them to go. Right. Like, no, no, no. No, they didn't do it the first time. So fuck them. You're not my kid. I'm going to cut you loose. Just kick them out like, in the yard and hose them down. Right. It was like, no, you still take care of them, you nurture them and, and recognize when you have a bad movie, it's a bad movie. Yeah. Stop yeah. trying to pump money into a bad movie. You know, um, and you see that so many times. You're like, yeah, but I understand sometimes, though, you get so invested in a movie. It's like, I've got to try to recoup something on this. Right. I have right. to. Um, you know, and it's like, and I, and unfortunately, it's like that scene in, um, I think it's Toy Story 2 when they're going through the, the, the TV channels and they come across that, I think it's the, uh, the, the toy barn commercial, yeah, whatever. Yeah, toy barn. And, and, and he's, he's, he's like, he's like, go back. It's like, too late. I'm too far going. I just gotta, I gotta keep going around the circle and, <laughs> and come back. It's, it's kind of like that. It's like, we've put so much money into this movie. We can't release it the way it is right now. 
and we can't just shelve it. That's like, you know, $30 million that's just going to be sitting on a shelf. Only right. thing I can do, as much as I hate it, is put another $10 million into it and hope that we can get something back. Because right now, we're not getting anything back. Right. You know, so even, even if I only get 20 out of it, I've only lost 20 as opposed to me. You know, I put an extra 10 million into it. So I paid 40 over it overall, but it's better to lose 20 paying 40 than to lose 30 paying 30. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, yeah, I know you look at me like, wait, that doesn't make any sense, but yeah. And then still going back to it, we're still talking about just box office. We're not talking about what you can pick up later. And heaven mm-hmm. forbid these movies turn into cult followings where you've got, you know, you've got releases upon releases upon releases. I mean, you look at my, at my DVD shelf, uh, my video shelf right now i've got i think five copies of fright night right <laughs> you know i mean not, and not everybody's me but there are thousands of people like me there are a hundred thousand people like me that are like yeah i have this movie but they came out with a new limited edition they came out with it on steelbook which is the exact same copy i already had they didn't do anything else except for put it in a fancy steelbook with a new cover <laughs> right. i have to have it i was just talking about that with uh slumber party massacre yeah, yeah. shop factory limited edition one it's like <laughs> under 20 bucks steelbook on Blu-ray, I only have it on DVD, mm-hmm. and I'm like, do I want to pay twenty dollars to buy Slumber Party Massacre with the Driller Killer, right? And it's not a movie I love, by the way. It's a movie I like, but I've given it some serious thought. I don't think I'm going to do it, but I did think about it. Oh yeah, and obviously yeah. I'm still thinking about it because I'm talking about it. Right? Yeah. So I mean, so you can still make movies in a movie that's good. You're going to get. Sorry, just real quick. Did you notice in that scene right there um, that? All the all the bottles on the table were all Dasani bottled waters, and all the labels were turned to look straight at the camera to all say Dasani. <laughs> no, I didn't notice that, but I've seen that with a lot of like product placement. Which my favorite moment of product placement in any movie is Wayne's uh, World. Uh, well, yeah, there's that shit. I almost <laughs> forgot about Wayne's World. <laughs> it's uh, like people only do things just because yeah. they're getting paid, and that's just so sad. <laughs> there was uh, it's the movie um, Kung Pao. Where he's walking through the courtyard and they all are eating Taco Bell and the bags are all facing the camera. And as he's walking along, his character singing, Taco Bell, Taco Bell, product placement with Taco Bell. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, um, you know, I, that, that Hollywood could make good movies if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, so I'm going to go back to a story about uh, American Beauty. Oh, yeah. American Beauty is a great film. Phenomenal you know? film. It really is good. American Beauty um, was an art house film, and I'd have to look it up to see exactly who it was made by. Um, and I, maybe was it Buena Vista or one of those places? Anyway, a really good movie. But I think ultimately what it came down to when you followed it back was that American Beauty was made by like Disney. Right. Under one of their like. Uh, they're independent, like, uh, imprints. Mm-hmm. Like, here's one of our independent studios that was owned by the parent company of Disney. And to make this movie made, we asked people to, like, work for scale and that kind of stuff. Right. And they're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You only did it this way so you could call it independent film mm-hmm. and you could save a bunch of money on it as opposed <laughs> to just doing it the regular way and paying these people what they are worth. And, you know, it's, and it got all the acclaim and all that kind of stuff. And they do right. those kind of things there. And right. then a lot of times they'll have these imprints or they'll find these, these like, these like independent, like, um, like studios or, uh, or, uh, uh, like, uh, yeah, studios. Right. And then they'll gobble them up and they turn them into garbage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, wait a minute. And, but then you're going to complain that, well, you know, well, not you, but some of the actors complain, it's like, well, these kind of movies aren't being made anymore. Well, that goes back to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's the industry you live in. That's the industry that you work. That's where, that's, that's what you've devoted your life to. 
because of your craft or whatever reason why you decided to, yeah. that kind of change has to come from you. Yeah. You know, and a lot of these people, there's people that all the time that sit there and go, you know, I got tired of waiting this. I'm going to make my own movie. I'm going to get some people together. And you right. have the ability to do that. You, Some of to, you actors. To make the kind of movie you right, want to see. Make tons of money. And, uh, you know, and I realize you probably don't want to use your own money out there to do this or whatever. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you don't have enough of it or whatever. Maybe it's too much. Because, I mean, a bad movie can bankrupt you. Oh, but yeah. you could do that if you wanted to. You could just step out on your own and say, okay, once I make the movie, right, and I get some backers, get some producers, anything, all I got to do is just get someone to distribute it. Right. And that's right. easy enough. And when I say it's easy enough, it's easy enough because if you go to Sundance, you go to Telluride, you go to any of these film festivals, what do you find? You find a bunch of people with no money and no connections making a movie and putting it out there and hoping that somebody will deem it worthy of distribution. Mm -hmm. You slap your Hollywood-ass name on it, I'm sure you're going to have people chomping at the bit, too. So right, right. don't tell me that these movies can't be made because of all these superhero movies when you are more than capable of making some of these movies yourself yeah. and putting it out there, but you're not doing it. Now, you may have some really good reasons for not doing it, but, but, but don't... But don't throw it all on us as the viewer. Right, right. Because if you, if, I mean, and if you want, if you want to have a conversation with me, and I'm not, I'm not challenging anybody, right? But like, if you want to have a conversation with me, <laughs> you come on down, Jody Foster, right? You like come to, down to my house right now, me, you and me <laughs> out on the front lawn, all right? I like to throw these hands. That's right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll be a bit of a gentleman, man. I'll, I'll be skinned. You can be shirt. We'll just throw it out. It's not like that. But I mean, you, you come and you, you talk to me and you ask me about the movies I like. You look, at my video collection and for people that don't know my video collection and there's a bunch of movies I haven't added on there recently so maybe mm -hmm. maybe about 10 or so that I haven't added to um, added to uh, to my my, uh, my 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 spreadsheet my app thing right but I've got close to 900 movies nice DVD and Blu-ray. That's not including my VHS, which I still have. Right. Yeah. So, and I think the VHS might add another, um, like hundred to that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to a thousand. Right. Um, right. And so you want to talk about movies and look at the things that I love and not everything that I love do I own. Right. A lot of reasons movies that I own and this, the category is movies that I own because I really, really like them. Um, movies that um, I think are worth owners. Some movies that I've bought that I'm like, I probably won't watch this movie. Yeah, I can't see going to my shelf and picking it up once a year or maybe once every two years, right? But it's one that it it has a significance to me that I feel like I need to own it. I right. need to own this movie. Right. Um, right. And there's sometimes it was like, here's a movie that I enjoyed and I don't think a lot of people know about it and it's one that needs to be shared with people mm -hmm. and I'm going to buy it. That way I have it on my library that I can share it with other people because it's one that I think that people need to know about. Right. And there's some right. movies out there that I love that I don't own and I was like, you know what? I like it a lot, um, but I can't see myself owning it. So, right. Yeah. So yeah. just what's in my library is is not everything that I like. Um but I have got, I've got a ton of movies of different genres of, you know, just all over the place. So it's not just like everything is filled with just my Marvel movies. So if I'm looking at my shelf right now, I've got two and a half shelves that take up all of my superhero stuff. Yeah, yeah. Two and a half shelves out of what? One, two, three, four. Was that seven? So my three bookcases of movies yeah. um, have seven shelves apiece. So and, twenty-one shelves. Right, and so and each shelf probably holds what maybe twenty-five to thirty movies. Uh, that looks about right. I'd yeah. have to count it to really know for sure, but yeah. So so out of that, then only two shelves 
of that uh, are superhero movies, and and um, out of those, there's uh, I've got some uh, special edition ones. I got special edition of Iron Man, of uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns, and Three Hundred. Mm-hmm. Which take up a lot of space because of the uh, the box that it came in. Right, because right. the Iron Man one came with a, a sideshow mini bust, and then the three hundred one came with a, a mini bust too. So those take up a lot of space. They're taking up the space of like maybe five to six other movies. Probably yeah. So because of that, then I'm really down to just two shelves. Not even two and a half, just two shelves of comic book movies because that's how I have them separated. Right. And you look at everything else over there, and I think outside of my sci-fi. My next biggest like selection there are my um, is probably going to be my dramas and thrillers. Right. Yeah. So, so this is someone that loves that kind of stuff, and you know, and within the past like I don't know, fifteen twenty years, I've really slowly been moving my way into documentaries too, mm-hmm. like because it's one something that I've never, I've always. I didn't know I liked until right, I started right. watching more of them. And I'm like, man, I really like me some documentaries. Yeah, and we've we've shared some documentaries back and forth. Yeah, uh, quite a bit. And, uh, so, so it's not like I'm just coming at this from a one sided thing. I'm coming at this from from a lot of sides, not every side. Cause this is a multifaceted conversation. Yes, very um, much so. But I'm coming at this from a lot of sides, and I'm like, I just don't think you guys are treating this properly. Before well, whatever reason the, it is that you that you 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 you've got these. Your 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 blinders are either too tight, um, or they're just not as wide as they could be. I just I just don't think that like I I, I mean from especially based off of what Scorsese's saying, he said you know he's watched a few but he just couldn't really get through them. So it's like well you're obviously not looking at like the entirety of what you know Marvel or DC is doing. And in Jodie Foster's case, it's like I don't understand how you can you know how you can say that these films have nothing to say. Because that, that's basically what I took away from from what she's saying there, just based off of what you were saying. It sounds mm-hmm. like she's saying these these aren't saying anything. But it's like, are, are you crazy? Because these are telling very significant stories. And uh, I think they're very timely and very prevalent stories about humanity and having to become more than what you are. Especially in Marvel's case. And we've talked about that fucking a million times at this juncture. Right. That, you know, the Marvel stories are about humans becoming more than humans. It's it's humans working their way up towards godhood. And it's about, you know, overcoming your weakness. It's about, like, gaining strength and becoming better than what you are. And, you know, and one thing we talked about, I think it was off mic, but, um, you know, it's a really significant thing for me, is you have that first big argument between Steve and Tony in the first Avengers film. And... You know, they're, they're going back and forth and talking about how, you know, oh, you think you're hot shit, but you're not. Right. So and, you're not the guy to, to make the sacrifice yeah, play. you're not the guy to, to make the sacrifice play. <laughs> and, and Tony says, you're nothing but a science experiment. The only thing special about you came out of a bottle. Right. And then, you know, here 10, 15 years later, however, it was 10 years between the first Avengers and Endgame, right? I think so. Something like that. It was about 10 years. And here 10 years later, they bring that back because Iron Man wields the, uh, because uh, Cap wields the hammer. So the only thing special about him is not out of a bottle. Right. And Tony makes the sacrifice play. That's so, I mean, that's so good. That's, that's good storytelling. See, I'm not, I'm not a film connoisseur quite like you, but. That's it's I, an evolution of the characters. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and we talked about that a lot in part one that, you know, Marvel plays the long game. It's not going to be like, oh, in an hour and a half, it's, you know, you're not going to see like this Bill Murray level of character development from Groundhog Day where it's like, oh, you were a real asshole at the beginning of the movie, but now you're a good guy and you want to live in this town and you've enriched everybody's lives. That's not what they're doing. They're, they're telling a 10 year long story here. 
it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like how, you know, Cerebus, you have to approach reading Cerebus as a 6,000-page story. You know, you're not you're not going to get, like, this little snippet out of, like, 20 issues or so. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned the, that, that dynamic between, between uh, Tony and Steve, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of one of the fundamental things. Like, whenever you have an Avengers movie, it brings everybody back and it regrounds everybody as yeah. to, you know, like, who they are, you know, and not only just who they are as individuals because we're getting that from their own movies but it grounds them as to you know like who are we as people as a team what ultimately is our is our purpose here why do we do what we do right because you know none of that's really being explored in like any of the Captain America movies any of the Thor movies right it's like Mm -hmm. they're off on their own adventures but then you bring them all together and it's like hey we do this for this and in uh, Age of Ultron there's that whole scene the the uh, the the the, um, firewood scene when when yeah. they're they're arguing, he says, you know, isn't that why we fight? You know, the good fight, you know, so so we can stop this, so we can go home, right. you know. And it's like and it's like that's why we're doing this. That's what this mm-hmm. is all about. This is about us, you know, doing this so that because we're in a position better than anybody else because we do have these these abilities. Whether it's because I have a great suit of armor, because I'm a god with a with a, with a magical hammer, right, or you know right. I'm a science experiment that you know that can do things that other people can't. We you know we do this you know because you know it's almost a great power, a great power responsibility thing. But we do this because we're better equipped at it than other people, and. And we have a better chance of stopping this and preventing yeah. this so that no more of this has to happen. Right, and if so right. Steve gives the line, it's like, you know, every time tries to, when someone tries to win a war before it starts, you know, you know, people die. You right. know, it's like because then you're you're actually the one starting the war. You know, you're you're trying to, to stop a war before it starts, but by doing that, you're actually starting the war. You're now the aggressor. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you're really the bad guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, exactly. And, and that whole thing that comes into play there, it comes back, um, you know, not so much in like Infinity War and Endgame, but those elements play out throughout the whole thing. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to end my whole piece here with, uh, with Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to use Homecoming and Far From Home. And I know you haven't seen Far From Home. Yeah, not yet. Um, but I'm going to end with, with both of those is that, you look at someone like Spider-Man and from Civil War when Tony's talking to him and he's like, you know, you know, why do you, you know, why do you do this? And he, you know, Spider-Man kind of rambles, which I think is really kind of cute. And it, it, it really kind of plays into the character and like the, the whole teenage aspect of it when he's like, you know, well, I'd love to play football, but, but I can't because I, I couldn't do that before. So I, I can't do it now. Right. You know, it's like, right. I have these gifts, but I can't use them to benefit myself. That's not right. That's not how it is. Right. Because right. it's not like everybody in the world has this. It's not like, you know, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I've, you know, I went to college and I learned a lot of stuff. So, you know, now I can be like a, like an engineer. Right. Um, but anybody, well, not anybody, but, you know, most people can do that. They can right, go to college right. or they can get books. They can learn and they can learn these skills yeah. and then possibly move into, you know, into that, 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 uh, occupation. Right. Uh, you know, but this isn't the same thing. I have a gift that, that, the majority of people in the world, like 99.99% of the people will never have, I, you know, I have a duty to do something good with this and not, and not be selfish with it. Right, right. And, you know, and so that's why I do what I do. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you've got the scene in, um, you've got the scene in Homecoming where, you know, he's talking to Iron Man and they're having the conversation and he's like, don't take it away from me. You know, the suit is all I have. I'm nothing without it. And he goes, you know, everyone knows the scene. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're nothing without the suit, 
then you shouldn't have it. Right. You know, and right. that's the whole thing here. It's like, you know, the suit is not what makes you Spider-Man. You're Spider-Man with or without the suit. You started being Spider-Man because you had these gifts. The suit didn't give you those gifts. Mm -hmm. You've started using this as a crutch and you've started thinking that you, um, that because of that, you can do more and you're forgetting your purpose and where you fall, you know, where, where you lie within all of this and the role that you play. So, and it's like, you know, being, I can't, I mean, if it was, if it was just a matter of having a suit, I just give everybody a suit, but that's not it. You yeah. have to have the heart to wear the suit. Right. You yeah. know, and, you know, and that's why in Iron Man 2, when Tony is like, you know, I could give Rhodes a suit, but it's not the same thing. Rhodes has to come and get it from me. And, and, and he, 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 it's like, it's almost like he's challenging him because he's like, if he gave it to him suit one, he's going to tell it right he's dying, which he didn't want to do. But the other thing is like, he has to take it from me for the right reason. Right. And, and that right reason is because it's a lot of power and it needs to be in a responsible hands. And yeah, you are yeah. not those hands. Yeah. You know, um, it's and, interesting that you brought up like the firewood scene because something we've discussed very often is that so much of what defines the Avenger films for us are the scenes from their downtime, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, um, at the beginning of Ultron, where they're just, like, all sitting around, and they're just, like, talking shop and talking shit, and they all start taking turns trying to lift Thor's hammer and all that. And, like, that tells us so much more about the characters, and that's what tells me that these films have something to say. Because, you know, we don't think of it as, like, oh, you know, we don't think of it as calling him Captain America first. We call him Steve first. Right. Because this is Steve's story. He represents Captain America. He represents what Captain America is about, but it's Steve's story. It's his arc. And, you know, it's, you know, this isn't the story of Iron Man. This is the story of Tony Stark. This is, this is Tony Stark, you know, finding his heart, so to speak, and making the sacrifice play. It's Tony's story. It's not the story of Iron Man. So, you know, and you talk about that, that scene in, in Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of nuances that, that, I, th I think unless you're like a true fan of seeing these movies like over and over again and I've, I've told this before to people when I'm at work I will I've got Age of Ultron on my phone and I will play it and, and I'll turn my screen off and I'm just listening to the dialogue mm -hmm. I've seen the movie several times and I'm listening to it and it's probably because I love Ultron's dialogue which we're going to do a whole separate podcast on Ultron <laughs> I need but, to rewatch it before we do that podcast but um, but hey, speak, speaking <laughs> of which um, but there's, there's, there's so much nuance in there that you miss. And I think in some cases, these people are missing the nuance that makes those movies great because there's so much being thrown at the screen as far as a spectacle that you're missing all the stuff that, that lies underneath. And I think other people are. And not everybody, but I think some people are. And I'm gonna, I'm referencing this particular moment right here. And I'm gonna get back to my Spider-Man thing. But it's the scene where they're picking up the hammer and, and, um, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's Banner that 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 points to Black Widow is Natasha, and she goes, "Oh no, that's not a question I need answered." Right, and she she's the only one that declines to pick up to try to pick up the hammer right. because one she knows who she is, mm -hmm. she knows what she's done, and and you know, and she she makes that really clear, or that point is made very very clear in uh, in Avengers yeah. when she talks. You know, I've got red in my ledger, and I want to clear it out. And Loki's like, you know, he goes, "But can you clear out that much red?" He goes, "Your ledger ledger is." You know, is is uh, overflowing with mm -hmm. red. It's gushing red, yeah, and he starts yeah. mentioning all these things that she's done. And of course, she pretends like they're hurting her for his sake. But we know that they're hurting her, really. Um, and I think part of that is kind of like when when Thor the, um, is dropped out of the out of the helicarrier in the first movie, and he goes to pick up his hammer, and he hesitates yeah. because 
you know, the helicarrier is falling. Colt, you know, I don't think he's aware that Colson's been. Uh, no, he was because he saw Colson get stabbed by Loki before he dropped him. Yeah. And so he says that Colson's dead. The helicarrier is crashing. They have lost the day. And he goes to pick up that hammer. And at that moment, he's afraid he may not be worthy. Right. And he's afraid to pick it up. He's afraid to grab that and not be able to pick it up. You know, and that's a great moment. And the same thing with with Natasha. When you look at that and you look at it, she's not saying that, oh, no, I know I'm not worthy of picking up the hammer because the whole point of her being in S.H.I.E.L.D. is to be someone better. And she says Mm -hmm. that in Winter Soldier when she's like, you know, I thought I was, you know, getting rid of my past. I was becoming something better. I just traded, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, traded, you know, uh, the, uh, the, uh, like the KGB for mm-hmm. Hydra, you yeah, know, yeah. it's like I thought I was I was getting better. I was using my skills to fight the good fight. I was trying to become a better person. Barton saw something in me that was better, and he brought me in the shield, right, and all that. And then you know she has a whole moment of connecting with 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 Steve in the car when they're going to New Jersey and all that. So a big part of that is she's trying to redeem herself, trying to be better. And part of the thing is she knows she can't pick up the hammer, but at the same time. She's afraid of grabbing it and just knowing that, you know, in some way she's saying, I'm still not there. Right, you know, out, right. out of everything I've done, I've still either, either I'm not capable of being better or of, of redeeming myself or I still got a long way to go. And sometimes even though we know that, we don't want to face that. We don't want to face it. It's easier for us to just say, Oh, I can't. You know, I know I can't do it. Then right. to get out there and prove it to ourselves that we can't because that's right. even demoralizing. As long as I say I can't, I can still try to do it mm-hmm. and try to be better. But as soon as you've shown me that I can't, do it then i stop trying at all right and right. i think Just that's one of the things where she's right she's like yeah, right she's she's like i i know i can't do it and so i'm not even going to try because i don't want i don't need that put in my face as long as it's not there in my face i can continue to try to be better mm-hmm. all yeah right. yeah so yeah we it is a good time for us to take a break so uh hey enjoy these ads everybody these sweet sweet ads oh god they're so sweet like a spicy chicken sandwich and we're back okay so um so the other thing i was gonna say is like you know we have to say we talk about the nuance and, and the character in the story and we you know i i think there's a lot of nuance in ultron is more just a villain like but we'll like we keep saying we'll get to that later yeah but yeah. um i was going back to spider-man thing in in far from home the whole the one of the whole things of far from home is is that peter um is like you know what i don't I've done the superhero thing. I've done all this stuff. And it was like being a hero was fun. Yes, it was challenging. It was kind of scary, but I'm saving lives. And then after everything with the gauntlet and Tony being killed, and then it's like there was a level of responsibility I was ready for, but it was a level of responsibility that only pertained to me. When I go out there and I'm fighting crime, I'm responsible for all that stuff because I put myself out there Mm -hmm. to be responsible, you know? Uh, But... But now, responsibility is being thrust upon me. People are asking me, are you the next Tony Stark? Are you the leader of the Avengers? Right. That's more than I'm ready for. And I just really want to be like, I want to be a kid. You know, it was I, being a part-time hero was one thing, but I can't be a full-time hero. I thought I wanted to, which is what he learns in the first one. It's like, mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to be a full-time hero when he's like, you know, hey, you ready to come be a part of the Avengers? Like, no, no, sorry, Mr. Stark. And you know, I think I'm just going to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Right. You know, um and he, he kind of he kind of learns his role. Then he goes through all that stuff, and he comes to me and he's like, "This is such a much bigger scale of things." And he's like, "And 
and I'm really not just, I'm just not ready for it. I'm not. And it's like, I don't want to not be a hero, but I just, you know, I also want to be just a person that, you know, and can't right. I just be a person? Right, right. And, and he learns that you can be, but it's not as, it's not as easy as it looks. And when you take on this role, you know, being a person, unfortunately, becomes secondary right. to, to being this. And and there's so much more. And that's him learning this lesson of like what it means to be a hero and, and that you can't just turn it off. It's not something you just do when you want to. It's right. not like it's not like me playing, you know, like, you know, Spider-Man on the PS4. I can be Spider-Man whenever it's good for me. Right. You know, yeah. and it's like, oh, now I got the time to be Spider-Man for like the next hour before I've got to go do this thing. Right. Yeah. Like, no, if if playing Spider-Man was and saving people was my job. Then that's what I do. I mm-hmm. sit down, I play Spider-Man on PS4, you know, all day and night. And then, you know, I stop and, you know, I catch a, a, some sleep when I can. But so let's imagine if Spider-Man was like an online game and and I was constantly responding to emergencies and, you know, as a 24 hour online game. And I and, you know, now I'll say I'm kind of tired. I got to go to sleep. And I really I recognize that, you know, while I'm sleeping, there's some crimes that are going on around me that are you know, that are happening and people are not being caught or brought to justice. Right. And then you know, when I get up, I got to go to the bathroom. You know, I, I can't go to like, you know, freaking IHOP and have breakfast there. I've got to grab something like a Nutrien bar from upstairs and get back down to saving the, you know, the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, you, and using this context there, like, you know, I'm playing Spider-Man. That's my job. Someone else in this online game is playing, you know, Iron Man. Someone else is playing Wolverine or whatever. But this is what we're doing. Right. And I'm playing just that one character in this big online world. And that means that someone out there out there is playing, you know, is playing a villain. And so the days that I'm not doing this, I can't just do it when it's convenient for me. Right. I can't work a full time job and then come home and be Spider Man for about an hour or so. Right. I can't right. just go to the movies whenever I want to because when I'm doing that, I you know, yes, there's other people out there playing their roles, but if they're playing them the same way I am, then there's a shit ton of people out there just doing all kinds of bad stuff. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. So I've got to make these sacrifices. And that's what that whole movie is about. It's like him making a sacrifice saying, you know, if this is what I'm going to do, then I've got to do it this way. And I've got to, you know, one, I've got to, I've got to build a support network. I've got to bring these people in and I've got to recognize exactly what it is I'm getting myself into. You know, it's, it's almost the same when, when people are saying that they're going to um like, you know, uh, Oh, I'm going to get a dog. It's like, do you really know what that entails? Right, yes, I yeah. know you see the commercials and you're running in the field and stuff like that, but, you know... It's the people who are like, our relationship's struggling, but we're going to fix it. We're having a baby. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know what? That dog's got to be taken out and got to be walked even when it's raining, mm-hmm. even even when there's snow outside, even when you, you know, when you're tired as hell or you're sick and you're like, in bed, someone's got to take that dog out. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do it, you need to make sure that someone else can you know, and that's a responsibility that people don't think about. And it's kind of the same way. But these are the nuances that you find in these movies there when they're like, you know, hey, I've got to do these things here. I have to do this. Right. And and then, like, what does it say about me? And I think another thing with, with Marvel movies that we miss in a lot of other things is this underlying, uh, like, principle, which you see more in Iron Man. It's like, I don't have to be a, a, a 100% good person right. to do the right thing and to be a quote unquote hero. You know, what really matters is that I want to be a good person. I I mean, I have the drive to be a good person and that I may slip up sometimes. I may not do everything right, uh, but 
I want to be a good person. Right. Yeah. And 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 I'm trying to be. It's just like I say with myself and everything. I know there's some things that I that I do wrong, and you know there's some qualities I have that are not the best. But I recognize those, and I make efforts to make those better. And as long as you recognize that and you're trying to make yourself better and right. trying to improve those things about you, that's what makes you a good person. Right. Yeah. And that's what we see in some of these things here. And it really is ultimately just like like when I watch White Man Can't Jump. Right, dude. Every time I watch that movie, I want to go out and shoot ball. I right, freaking right. suck. Me, me shooting basketball after watching that movie is like Black Widow trying to pick up Thor's hammer. No, it's just like you know, that's a good way to shut me down. You know, um, dude, I have torn up my black card so many times after trying to play basketball. It's not even funny. And you only get one of those too, so it's not like you're like, oh, I lost mine, and I can go back and get another one. No, you just have to tape it back up. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and you would be surprised like you can't tear up something that's laminated yes you can yes you can if you get upset enough yes you can um, but you know it's like and I watch a movie and it just it, it fuels me it, it, it mm-hmm. energizes me you know you watch like a you know like a nice action movie it's like oh man it's like you know you just you get you get pumped up yeah and, and we've talked about like the same thing with Fight Club where it's like you watch Fight Club and it's like man I, I want to get in a fight I really want to get in a fight and then you realize like oh yeah fighting hurts yeah I almost <laughs> like, forgot <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to get my nose broken. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want any of that stuff to happen. I don't want to get you know. So maybe like I a, do want to die without any scars. I mean. Yeah. See, I don't want to get like the the side of my cheek cut open and a wound that would that won't ever heal. You know? <laughs> um, you know, but but when you watch a movie, a really good superhero movie, and you see these things, you're like, you know, I want to help people. Yeah, it gives I want you to be something a to believe person. in. Right. And, and, you know, uh, Walt, Walt Carl and I talked about that kind of like what makes a, a comic book fan a comic book fan. It's this, like, well, a lot of comic book fans, it's like, I, it's not that I want to be a hero, which in some cases you want to be a hero, but it's like, you know, these are, these are people represent some of like the, the best qualities of people, mm-hmm. you know, in, in these, in these books. And, well, I and think- inside, you know, that's the person I want to be. I want to be a good person. If I can't, could quote unquote be a hero. I can't be running around saving the day. I do want to be a good person. Yeah. And I like seeing, you know, good people, you know, even if it's a fictional story of good people doing good things. Um and 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 that and that's you know, it's 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 something I'm not gonna say it because I read comic book, it makes me want to, you know, strive to do this, but it's like <laughs> it's, it's 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 surrounding myself with that positivity. Yeah. You know, and then also watching people struggle with it. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. struggle with doing that. And, you know, the times that Peter Parker has said, you know, I quit. I'm not going to be Spider-Man anymore. Right. I can't and, do it. Right. And then, you know, and then coming back to it and saying, yeah, just like you and I, when we've talked about how many times you, you wanted to quit, quit drawing, quit writing. And you're mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's who I am. I can't quit these things. I, I can't. And if I did, there would be so much of me missing. It, yeah, and yeah. I'm just jumping from one thing to the next. But, but I think that it, it's just showing that. There's so many different levels to combo characters and stories yeah, and yeah. movies that that you know you kind of see these things. They just keep, you, just, you can kind of see them reflect in so many different avenues. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Watchmen. Dan Dryback. Yeah, yeah. When he's not in the suit, he feels lost in the world. He feels purposeless mm-hmm. and he's impotent. Yeah. He doesn't feel like a man. He doesn't feel like a person. Like he contributes to anything mm-hmm. when he's not in the suit. Yeah, and just like that moment where he like meets up with Rorschach and he's just like, you know, Rorschach, whatever happened to the good old days? And Rorschach's just like, you quit. Yeah. And, you know, I think you really hit the nail on the head with like, especially in the Marvel films, not so much the DC films, 
about the Marvel films, it's all about people doing the right thing in spite of themselves, you know? Right. Like, they, they do have flaws, they do have weaknesses, they do have shortcomings, but they're still gonna push on and do the right thing. And it's just like the, uh, it's just like the, the first Narnia story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You have the moment where Peter fights the wolf. He fights, um, uh, shit, what, what's his name? Ulrich, I think his name is. Uh, the witch's wolf chieftain. Okay. And so, he goes, and he fights, and he manages to kill it, and Aslan is knighting him, and, you know, he's making him Sir Peter Wolfsbane. And he says, no, you don't need to be making me a knight, because I didn't feel brave. I was scared out of my mind going into that fight. I wasn't ready for that. I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to run away. And Aslan was like, but that's not what bravery is. Right. Bravery is not not feeling fear. Only a fool feels absolutely no fear. Bravery is feeling fear and pushing on and doing the right thing in spite of feeling that fear. You, and that you see the you see the smile on my face. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> you know you know what I'm thinking right now. Um, not specifically. <laughs> yeah, you do. Because because you, sure you just I, said it. I'm sure I will as soon as you say it. But. And because we just watched it. You're not brave. Oh, you're not brave. Men, Men are, are brave. brave. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's the thing too. Again, you're taking that thing and you're and you're it goes right mm-hmm. into like the Batman Superman thing was like yeah. when when he says that when Batman says that to Superman and he says you're not brave, men are brave, which I which we both said is such a beautiful line, it's fantastic. Is because bravery is doing something when you are scared shitless mm-hmm. and you don't know the outcome and you're just hoping for the best, but you're doing it because it needs to be done. Yeah. And, and you, you know, have everything to lose. Right. And you've got everything working against you. When you're Superman and you've got that kind of power and you go into those things, you don't go in there with any kind of fear at all. Mm-hmm. So that's not bravery because yeah, you don't have yeah. anything to lose. You're not brave. Men, men are mortal. Men are weak. Mm-hmm. Men are vulnerable. And men as in like the human race. Right, you know, right. Men uh, or mankind, they're brave. Yeah. yeah. You're not. You know, and I mean, and so that's the exact same thing in two different sources mm-hmm. from two different genres. Yeah, yeah. You know, one that's probably more respected than the other one. Oh, yeah. Narnia, Narnia is more very respected than, than this. But you're talking about the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that, that, that same part there. And it's, and yeah, it's, it's telling the same universal truth. And I've talked about that kind of thing with like Doug Tenaple's big on this kind of thing. That like, you know, to him, he's always bemoaning that our culture has lost fairy tale as a respected thing. You know, that, like, um, you know, you have guys like C.S. Lewis, like uh, like Tolkien, like G.K. Chesterton, who they used fairy tales to tell truths. And, you know, to Naples, big things like, you know, just because a story is not scientifically factual or historically accurate doesn't mean it's not true. And right. when you're telling these, like, these high fantasy stories, when you're telling these fairy tale things, you're telling truths about humanity and about people. And that goes back into, like, the bravery thing or, or like, you know, what is it to have loss or what is it to find, you know, to find the strength to do the right thing in spite of yourself. You know, that's like, it's it's telling truths. So I think that kind of brings it back around to Jody Foster saying, oh, you know, there's there's more, you know, important stories that can be told. It's like, but is, it, is there, though? Because, like, yeah, are, these are telling, you know, timeless truths. Or does that somehow make these meritless? Right, yeah. And there's a... One of, Plus, it's not like they're taking away from, you know... It's not like Hollywood's out there going, Oh, you know, we we really want to tell this story, but we got to make this other superhero film. Sorry. Right. It's like, it's, it's, it's not how Hollywood works. But... Uh, and, you know, one of the things in... You know, just going in... 
just showing that these movies have a lot of heart. The, the right was not not every superhero movie is is fantastic. Right. Far from it. But the the ones that are that are well done, and you can tell the ones that are well done. And we keep talking about Marvel ones. There's others out, others out there, but I think those are really the most prominent that people that can really latch onto easily enough. Um, but the um, the the ones that uh, that are well done have these moments that are that you said it yourself. This is a story about Tony. It's about Steve. It's about these mm-hmm. people. It's not about. Iron Man, it's not about Captain America. And we see that when we kind of see, you know, who these people are and what they're made up of. And one of the, I think, scenes that really kind of kind of shows who these people are and, and the loss that they have. And it's probably to me, it's God, it's such a heartbreaking scene. It really is. And and I when I think about it, I'm like, I'm like I can only imagine how much that that would hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is in Civil War. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, it's in Civil War when Steve goes to see um, Peggy Carter. Oh, yeah. And she's talking to him and they're reliving the good days and stuff and, and all that. And it's just so great. And he's sitting there and she's in the hospital bed. And then she starts to cough and choke and he gives her some water. And, and then she looks at him and she's like, Steve, you're alive. And like her Alzheimer's and dementia and is like, you don't know how many times he's gone through that, mm-hmm. where he's had to go through that whole oh. thing of that recognition in her eyes of that, oh my God, you're alive. It's like, we just had a whole conversation about all this stuff. And now I've got to see that, that in you again. And you, that's not the first time. You know, oh, it's yeah. not the first time. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and, and it's, and you can see it in his face where it's like, he's like, I lost her again. Now we're starting this over again. And it's as painful for him mm-hmm. as it is for her. Yeah. Cause he's losing her daily now. Right. And like, yes, you've probably seen it in the notebook or some shit like that. But again, <laughs> we're talking about Captain America here. So you're taking this thing, you're saying you're putting Steve into it and you're showing what he's made of. Yeah. Right. And who's a national symbol, by the way. You know, I mean, he, you know, Captain America represents what like all World War II vets represent. You know, he, he represents like, you know, rising up to something that ultimately wasn't even your problem and getting involved because that's what you kind of have to do. Right. And that's basically what America did with World War II, where it's like, you know what, we've we've been out of this, but we can't keep ignoring this kind of thing. Right. So, uh, which again, you know, that's, you know, that's a timeless truth. That's something that applies to everybody, multiple generations. So that's not a movie with nothing to say. <laughs> right. And and I'm just going to come all the way back around, in this case, back to Spider-Man Homecoming, which is, you know, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. It's the character that makes that suit work, whether it's just a, you know, just a Captain America suit with like plate mail or whether it's a suit of armor, mm-hmm. whether it's a Spider-Man costume. It's the character that makes that suit work, not the suit itself. You can't just put anybody in it. Right. And, right. and that's what you see with these movies. You see these people that are, you know... That suit is a symbol, but it's the person in, inside of it that is what really makes that symbol stand out. It's what makes that symbol work because you can put anybody in a symbol, and that doesn't mean it's going to be shit, right? Uh, yeah. You know, it's like I mean, I, and I'm not I'm not saying anything political, uh, you know, about right now, but just think about how many people have had the mantle of president, mm-hmm. but haven't been able to live up to your ideals of what a president is. Not talking about anybody in particular or whatever, but your ideals. As far as long as you've been uh, been alive, right? And I've I've gone through I don't know like five or six different presidents in my lifetime, mm-hmm. and you know and it's like, but here's the title that you here's the title you have this title of president, and that means something. 
but how many of them have actually lived up to my expectations of that? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just the title that makes you who you are. I can't just call start calling myself Captain America, and you guys are going to believe that's who I am. Right? No, yeah. it's the person that makes that title work, no matter what that title is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is a beautiful way of putting that. Yeah, and and we get you know, and I think a true superhero movie, you know, not only does it have to have a good heart and has to have a good story, just like any movie does. But you have to have a really good, strong character mm-hmm. that makes you believe in whatever it is they're doing. Right. And, right. and in this case, you have to build that person up and you have to make them something that is worth caring about and worth respecting and worth following. And if you don't have that, the movies fall flat. And I don't think, with the exception of Captain Marvel... <laughs> um, which we've talked about again. I'm not going to try to, you know, defend my stance on Captain Marvel, but with exception of Captain Marvel, I don't think that we've, I think we've seen that in all the Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think we've seen that in a lot of the other ones that have followed. Yeah. No. And I mean, we've, we've, you know, made our, our statements about DC films before and about like, you know, the DC universe in general. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's been a big thing, you know, I've I've said, you know, multiple podcasts now that, you know, my big thing is I want to see you as a creative giving a damn. You know, I want you to demonstrate that you care about this franchise. And if it's a story you care about, that's going to help me care about it. Very much so. Right. And, you know, that's what I see in the Marvel films. Not only, you know, Jodie Foster, do I think they have something to say and they're saying something very, very significant that is very needed for today's culture very needed for today's culture but it's also it is something that the guys behind it are very passionate about and they care very much about and they care about the message that they're trying to convey mm-hmm. so and uh, you know what despite whatever she has to say about them i would love to see jodie foster in a marvel movie oh yeah but only if the character fit her mm-hmm. i wouldn't just want to see her just tossing there for anything right but if, if there was a character that i looked at I'd be like oh you know what Jodie Foster would really make that character shine. They, she would bring that character to life the way it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I'd be all about it. Yeah. But as of right now, I haven't seen a character that I think that that she could that sh- that she could embody mm-hmm. that would be representative of the skill that she would bring. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah, doesn't mean that, that there. I mean, it doesn't mean there isn't one. There's a ton of them out there, right? But it just means that I haven't. There isn't one right now that would be able to be put into, like, the cinematic universe. Right, right. That'd be like, she would be the person for that role. Yeah, they just know? haven't explored that element of the universe yet. Right. Um, and and, and, it, and I think it's important for us to bring up that in both both of these situations, both the Scorsese and Foster, that, like, we're not being all pissy and being like, well, you're wrong and you're stupid. And it's not that. It's more like, you know, I, I kind of hate for you that you're not getting anything out of this because it's so good. And, you know, I've, I've felt this way in, like, showing people, like, certain songs or certain movies that, like, you know, it just, it pains me that they're not getting as much joy and fulfillment out of it as I am. Uh, and, like, good example is Old Boy. I showed Camelot, Old Boy, because, you know, to me, Old Boy is a fucking phenomenal movie. Old, Old Boy, Boy is so good. Is so good. And, and so, like, and, you know, I showed, I showed my sister and she was like, yeah, that was, you know, that was really good. And I told you she, like, predicted the, the plot twist to it, which surprised the fuck out of me. But, like, she was like, yeah, that was, that was good. But then I showed Camelot and he was like, but old boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, she said, but Desu. <laughs> but Desu, you're my stepbrother. <laughs> 
But, uh, but yeah, like, I showed Camelot, and at the end of it, like, he, he watches it, and he was like, huh, well, I mean, the hammer scene was cool, but that was a really hard movie to watch. And I was like, what? It's like, that was a great movie. He was like, it was okay. It was a slog. And I was like, okay, you know what? Fuck you, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, we had a we had a pretty, like, civil discussion about it. But it's like, uh, you know, I hate that. Because to me, that was like, damn, that was a great movie. And then, like, to see somebody like, oh, that was a slog to get through. It's like, I really, I hate that for you. Say it's a slog. Say it's a slog again. <laughs> I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. <laughs> So, like, and, you know, just, I hate that kind of thing. And it's just like, you know, I've, I've had people where, like, I'll say, you know, hey, listen to the song. This is really good. And they'll just be like, yeah, I didn't really like the guy's voice. And it's like, oh, come on! Yeah, you know, um, uh, yeah, because, well, I, I told you that uh, Crow fan we talked about and asked him if he liked Beck. He's like, no, I don't like Beck. I'm yeah, like, that's shocking. Not like Beck. But, <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about this with, and this may be part of, part of what's, um, what's, I, I mean, I don't. Propose to uh, presume to know what's going on in, in their heads, but um, we talked about this during our during our, our podcast with uh, with Jo Bowyer about horror movies and how watching a horror movie in in the right the right venue with the right audience or with an audience at all mm-hmm. can make the difference with um, you know with your your reaction to it. And yeah. if that's not something you know, as for a comic book movie is something you know, I can see you not liking a comic book movie. It's like, I don't really like comic books, right? You know, when you're not liking comic book movies, that's fine. But I think also part of it is, is if you just try to watch one at home, oh, here, it's on Netflix. Let me watch it. Uh, this is kind of boring, you know? Right, not saying right. you have to watch it in a theater, you have to watch it with an audience, but if it's not something that you know that it has some kind of a, of a history to it, mm-hmm. and something that you know you're not watching it with somebody, not to give you commentary to fill you in, but if you're not watching it with somebody to kind of get that, you know, that, that vibe, to really set that, that, that mood and get that, that proper atmosphere, mm-hmm. yeah, you're probably not gonna like it because you're like, okay, here's something I don't know anything about. I'm getting to it, I'm like, like, what's this world about? You know, right, what? Right. This guy makes a suit of armor. I mean, you know, it's like, and, I mean, granted, I, I've told this a lot of times we talk about like Iron Man. He's got no padding in that armor. There's no cushion in there. <laughs> you know, he's getting knocked about. And sometimes you do see him, he's all bruised up and stuff. But yeah, he's really just flying around a tin can. He's got no. Basically, he, yeah. Right. He, he, he's got no cushion in there, no insulation or anything. <laughs> um, so, but, but, you know, again, you kind of suspend that disbelief because when you try to make things way too accurate, mm-hmm. you kind of lose it, which I think is the, the problem with Ang Lee's Hulk is that yeah. you try way too hard to explain how the Hulk could be a right. real thing. It's like, oh, you're killing me with yeah, this, dude. Yeah, you don't want that. Uh, you yeah. know, but I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there that like you gotta be in the right mindset for any movie, any movie at all. And case in point for me would be Donnie Darko. I didn't go into that in the right mindset. Like I, I you know, as I was watching it, I was like, you know, I'm, as much of a classic as people are saying this is, I don't think it's for me. And I had to like revisit it later when I was like, oh, so it's this kind of a movie, and you know, it, it's that kind of thing. And, you know, just like, you know, when I watched Natural Born Killers, I did happen to be in the right mindset for that because I kind of knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, if I if I hadn't been expecting it, then I would not have been in the right mindset for that movie. Right. And then, and then you would have somebody saying, oh, it's not a good movie. It's like, well, it is a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's a classic. You just have to go into it in the right mindset. And I think that, like, Scorsese and Foster aren't going into these movies with the right mindset. Right. Because they have this predetermined notion of what they think a movie should be. And then, you know... It's like, well, you're you're not getting anything out of it because you're not trying to get anything out of it, mm. which is kind of a shitty way to go into a movie. <laughs> and and I, 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 you know, if, if you're not, if you're not if you don't have someone with you to kind of 
you know, to, to kind of help kind of foster that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've talked about this several times, and I seem like we keep saying it. We've talked about this before, but you know, it, there's also the whole notion of you know, if you don't have um, have people around you that bring something different into your life, mm-hmm. then you tend to stay within your comfortable zone, right, right? Whether that's good or bad, but a lot of times that's bad because it does mean that you don't get a chance to experience things that you would enjoy. Because right. they're foreign to you. Right. And you right. don't have anyone to kind of help either encourage you into it or ease you into it or whatever, whatever it may be. But you don't have anyone to bring that to, to, to bring you to it or bring it to you. Mm-hmm. So if this is not something, a world that you know, or maybe even a world that you like, and I understand people will be like, if you told me I don't like superhero movies, I just don't like comic books, I'd be like, all right, cool. But to say they're not cinema, then like, I'm like, oh, come on, really? Yeah. I mean, and I know that after seeing all this stuff to turn around and be like, yeah, but you know, this shit really isn't cinema. <laughs> but if you, if you, if you would say something like, you know, Adam Sandler movies are, you know, are killing like, you know, the streaming service, Netflix, <laughs> you know, cause, cause these movies are not cinema. I'd be like, yeah, you're right. You know, <laughs> so I know it's bad for me to say like defend one thing and not another, but it's like there are other things that are really destroying stuff. Like again, the whole, you know, like lost footage, POV, like, you know, paranormal, like mm-hmm. boring shits or whatever it is that, but you didn't say that about them. And those movies are raking in tons of money. And they're getting all these crappy ass sequels and stuff. Right. There's nothing at all to them. Well, but you're not, you're not saying anything about them, but you're saying something about these movies. And it's like, well, why, why are these things out? Because they're making so much more than those, but it's also costing a lot. So when you say the Avengers made a billion dollars, the Avengers also cost like 250 million, 350 right. million, right? Right. As yeah. with this movie right here, it cost the studio like a hundred thousand and it made 30 million. Yeah. You know, yeah. Comparatively, this movie was way, you know, uh, way more, uh, productive as far as, you know, monetarily goes than this one here. Mm-hmm. And sure, this one's like, you know, the the franchising it's you know it's you got the t-shirts you got the toys you got the this you got that and yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff um and maybe that's maybe that's the issue with this like they're they're pushing more to that because there's so much more peripheral that can sell and they feel like that's really what's driving it is the peripheral kind of like you know i love the you know gi joe cartoon and the and the transformers cartoon only now to find out that these cartoons weren't cartoons they were commercials yeah, really yeah. wanted to sell were toys and that's the way the ninja turtles cartoon was back in the day too right. it was like it wasn't it wasn't about you know hey people really like this cartoon so now we're gonna make some toys it's like hey we want to sell these toys let's mm-hmm. make a cartoon mm-hmm. and it's like ah oh, i feel so used now yeah and that maybe that's the aspect you're coming from is that you know you're pushing so much here so you can sell the t-shirts the backpacks of this the that and and you're and you're using movies to do that you're using cinema to do that with and so, in a way, you're kind of, you know, demoral. Or you're you're destabilizing cinema because you're just using it as a big ass commercial uh, that you're making tons of money off of, and then to make tons of money off of. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't they, see it that way. I, I don't either. I mean, and and it's just, and it goes back to they care too much about the franchise. I think, and you know, I'm sure the Disney execs at the very tippy top don't. I'm sure to them this is a commercial. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you look at the directors behind it, and it's like. That there's too much passion going into this for it to just be that. 
So I told you I've been watching, uh, I've been catching up on Community because I never got a chance to watch it back in the day mm-hmm. when it came out, which sucks because now, like as I'm watching it, I'm really enjoying it. I've got no one to talk to Community about because everyone else is like, oh yeah, I watched that a long time ago. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. I'm like, well, I'm like, hey, you know, like you're just now finding. It. Like, I feel bad. She was like, you're just now finding out about this. Like, no, I knew about it. I just never had the the um, avenue to watch it before, and now I do. Right. Um. So, uh, but the Rooster Brothers. Um, directed Community, a right. lot of episodes of Community, and then they're the ones that directed, you know, Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, and then Civil War, and then the Avengers, and all that. Mm-hmm. There is nothing about their direction of any of the episodes of uh, of Community, even the paintball fight wars and all that kind of stuff. You have some interesting things they do, but there's nothing about that that I would have looked at and said, "Yeah, you show me that you can direct something like like Winter Soldier." Yeah. You know, and, and just that, and I was, but they did, and it's it, obviously Winter Soldier is a fantastic movie. It's oh, very yeah. well directed, um, and but again, that's that's a passion they brought to it. They had a passion for that, and even if even if they were at the time it was like this is all we've done, we've done this half hour you know TV series. Now you were talking about doing a two and a half hour movie, right? Um, that's got a lot more action and this and that, and I've also got a lot more equipment to work with. I got freaking cranes and stuff to use that yeah. I didn't have that I didn't use to do before because the movie did the, the TV series didn't warrant that. Um, <laughs> and now I've got all this extra stuff to use that now you can I use, but I kind of have to use it to make the kind of movie that I need to make. But I've got a passion to do it. Right, right. And and again, I've got a desire. I've got a drive. It's something I want to do. It means a lot to me. And with that, you know, I'm not saying that I can do anything, but I can do something fantastic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I just I, I think they're just underestimating it. And you know, again, it's it's more of like a well, it's it's your loss kind of thing. You know, hmm. like you know, I just I think about how you know. If, if I had, you know, if I had continued to have a stick up my ass about anime to the point of refusing to watch Akira, you know, it's like, well, I would have been missing out on a phenomenal, beautiful work of art with a really good story to it. And it's yeah. like, that would have been my loss. And, you know, I just, I, I hate that, like, they're, they're kind of depriving themselves. And it sounds like, it feels to me like they're just hating on it because it's popular. And I, and I don't want to just, like, accuse them of that being all they're doing. I'm sure they have, like, valid reasons for saying what they're saying. Uh, but I'm just saying I disagree with their take on it. So, yeah. I said I, I'm, you know, I'm not really disappointed, you know, because I don't really know them enough to. But from what I know about them and like their take on like this is not cinema, I'm like, ah, oh, that's that, that kind of hurts. Yeah. That, yeah. that kind of hurts. So. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, it it's like it just feels like they're missing the forest for the trees. Basically, it's like, you know, how, how are you not seeing the cinema in here? Yeah, I, I agree. There's so many, there's so many great cinematic moments um, in those movies, and there's such a heart to them, and there's so much mm-hmm. more than just action. I mean, Fast and Furious—that's just action for the sake of action, you know? right? Right. And that's all it is. Um, even even when I watch Hobbs and Shaw, which I have, I don't like Fast and Furious. <laughs> I'm never really watching things except for the first one, and the third one. Um, but I did end up watching Hobbs and Shaw, and it was entertaining. It really was. It's a big deviation from the from the series, and, and there are moments in that where they're like, "We're not taking this seriously at all, not at all." Right? Um, you know, so and that's that is pure action and adrenaline for the sake of for the sake of it. Um, and yeah, I don't think you can compare something like that to you know to Marvel movies. You may be right. with some of the other like uh, like you know superhero like franchise type movies or whatever, um, but 
but you know but i don't think to not to any of those right yeah uh-huh. it, it feels to me like if somebody were to say that like banksy isn't art you know uh, be, right, because he's not in a museum. Right. Well, he, oh, he's been in a museum, but it's like... I don't, <laughs> well, yeah, we saw what happened when he was in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I, I can just you know, I, I can just hear somebody with, like, Scorsese or Foster's position being like, oh, I don't really consider graffiti to be art. I don't think of Banksy as art. I've tried to look at his stuff, and I just couldn't get into it. And it's like, this guy has more to say than most modern artists. You know, because at the same time you, you would be telling me Banksy's not an artist, you're also the same motherfucker paying $100,000 for a banana duct tape to a wall. So, yeah, sorry. I thought that was really bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I, I mean, like when I heard the story, it's like, this is art. And I'm like, no, um, no, you're someone, someone, someone's bullshitting me, right? Someone is, is bullshitting me that, that, <laughs> that you could call that art. Right, yeah. You know? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's just how it, it makes me feel the same way as if hearing that would make me feel, which I've never heard somebody say that they don't consider Banksy art. But it's just like, it's, it's that level of like, well, how are you not seeing it? How are you not seeing just how much they have to say with this? And it's just like, I, I hate it for you. So, but yeah, we've been going for a pretty significant amount of time. Yeah. So. Um, but this was something we've been wanting to talk about for a while and we hadn't done it yet. And, um, and, and I think it's good to just kind of finally, you know, get off our chest and talk. And, and I, again, I, I'm not saying anything bad about, about Scorsese or, uh, or Jodie Foster, and it doesn't change my opinions of their movies, of their talent, and their their past work, their future work, or anything else. I just like I said, I saw that and I was like, man, knowing knowing you for the filmmakers that you are, and I just I, I kind of I, I didn't expect you to take that kind of stance. Um, other people I could see, but I see I see more of your your take on, on what cinema is and what it can be and what it stands for, uh, you know, across, you know, a broad spectrum. And I was just kind of shocked to hear them just kind of like almost as if they were just, just, just poking that as opposed to some of the many other things out there. And maybe it's because they don't respect those things at all. And this one seems like it's getting more respect and they don't think it should. Right. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. And I don't technically need to know why. They don't owe me any kind of explanation for their thoughts or whatever. But I said, it's just, I was really shocked because I'm like, hey, I see you guys as being, you know, as looking at, at filmmaking and, and movies at, in, a, in a much bigger light mm-hmm. than just this one thing. And that's, that's how their comments came across to me. Right. Was that we only see it in one way. And, um, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't fit that, then it's not, uh, it's not worthy of being called a movie. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, that's that's just our take on it. But uh, hey, thanks for giving us a listen, everybody. Yeah, man. And uh, I'd love to say that I would be interested in hearing, you know, how you guys feel about it. But again, that's going to be a long conversation that you know I don't really. Not that I don't feel like having in like a you know. No, no, I'm going to be honest. I don't really feel like having it in <laughs> in a, a you know in a. A, a, a Twitter conversation or right. in a YouTube. If you catch us at a con, you want a conversation. That's that's great. I prefer face to face over something that's you know written where you don't have any kind of context about it at all, and you really kind of limited in, in what you can say because right. there's no back and forth. There's no interaction between us actually debating points. It's just me telling you what I think and you tell me what you think. Right. But we can't really discuss it. So no, I'm not interested in hearing that in that in that forum. Because yeah. it's not a true conversation. It's just both of us just saying, you know, how we feel. 
And uh, but yeah, if you see us at a con or something like that, and you want to debate this or not, not debate, discuss this further. Yeah. You know, um, I'd love to have that discussion. Um, and because I think it's good to, to talk things out. You know, even if we walk away with it, you know, not not having changed anything. Because I don't think any, I don't think that a conversation should be entered into with my my plan here is to change your mind. Mm-hmm. You no, know, my 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 plan here is to let you know exactly how I feel about something and to learn why you feel about something. And maybe by learning why you're passionate about something or, or your thoughts on it may change my how I feel feel about it. And it may it hopefully give me some uh, some some new uh, some new uh, like light shed some new light on it or open up a new avenue of thought that I hadn't considered before. Even if I don't change my viewpoint, at least I have a better understanding of why you feel the way you do, mm-hmm. and I can respect that. Even if even if I don't change you know my thinking of it, uh, but that's how the to me that's how a conversation needs to be entered is that. I want to learn why you feel the way you do, and I want to really make sure that you know why I feel the way I do is clear. But I'm not coming into it to change your mind, right? You yeah, know, yeah. Um, so if you guys want to have a conversation like that, I am more than willing. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, that's all the time we have for today, folks. So thanks for giving us a listen, and uh, I, I second what Turk said with regard to all that. You know, I, I think this would be uh, an interesting conversation to have face to face, but. You know, on, online debate is tiring. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just it is. tiresome. But uh, but yeah, no, that's that's our take on it. So uh, you know, I would I would actually love to have a back and forth with either Scorsese or Foster on this. I think that would be really really interesting. Yep. But yeah. Anyways, so uh, lots of love, everybody. We will catch you guys later. Zang yo. Uh, right there, folks. That was our moms think we're funny. Let's uh, let's give them a hand. <laughs>